That's weird. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not, if you got it, then it'll go and we'll be fine. Okay, here's the, here we go. Let me um test something before we. I don't want to get into. This. I'm still getting zero zero zero. So let me uh. Whoa! Someone opened up. Was that me? Yeah. I'm still. I'm still. Oh wait, no, that's ISIS. Unless who's talking? Me? Not Can you me. hear me? I was on mute. Who's saying, "Hey, Bubba"? What the fuck? <laughs> that's you guys got, it sounds like the ocean back there. Did no one else hear that? No, Jesus Christ, you have a haunting. You're not wrong. Like I I heard there was a there was someone talking on the podcast just now to like a kid. That was not Jesus, me. I'm the Jesus only one who Christ. has a kid and my kid is in bed. So. I'm scared. I'm legitimately scared right now. Did anyone play a video on their computer just now no nope. i only have skype open i don't have anything i right, only we, have we i just, only have wiki on and it doesn't have any ads yeah we just we just had someone else's call or a ghost in the if no one else heard that it was a woman she said hey bubba what do you got there and it sounded like the ocean oh shit <laughs> it's like a hooker ghost hey bubba what you got there no it was like she was ghost. talking to a kid Oh, okay. Or well, maybe well. a or oh. maybe a pet or maybe a pet like one of the uh, two. Well, goddamn. Because you, I yeah, think I you, I think you did something, David, because you were like, "Hang on, I'm gonna try something real quick," and that's when it started. It it suddenly kicked in whenever you said you heard somebody. So maybe that has something to do with it. But I'm in a completely opposite room with the door closed, so I don't know. Did you just play a sex tape of yours? It starts with, "Hey, Bubba, what do you got there?" <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> okay. This is going to be on the podcast, right? No, I'm just kidding. Got to work it in somehow. All name right. your sex tape. All right, yeah. <laughs> work it in somehow, name your sex tape. All right, here we go. Start Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Corey Thone and Isis. And no, Entertainment Podcast is not our permanent name. We're going to be looking for a different name, but you guys need to help us help us out with that later. I'm sure Corey Thone has a billion names, and he'll help us out with that as we go. Um, we're going to talk, jump right into the new HBO show, Watchmen, from Damon Lindelof. Uh, it's adapted from Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' uh, graphic novel, and um, if you're a fan of the show, then you're probably looking for podcasts and articles about it, and we're glad that hopefully you've landed on us. Um, and so let's get right into it. The first episode aired on Sunday night, and Corey Phone, I know that you, you're you a fan of the graphic novel, right? You, you read that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Uh, I was a big I was a big fan and I liked the movie a lot and I I think that the movie has now joined a it's in rare air I think uh with a few other movies or TV shows that it became really cool to shit on and it's now <laughs> underrated it went from being overrated cuz there were a lot of people who were just like Zack Snyder at that point Zack Snyder was still considered like one of the up and coming directors like a visual artist and all that and uh 
you know, that was the first time we were like, can he actually tell a narrative? And then, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's still a good movie and it's just long. But uh, yeah, it was, I liked the comic a lot, uh, the book, whatever you want to call it. And I liked the movie and I liked this first episode. I think this is a universe uh, that has a lot of uh, room to play in. And I fully except the fact that I'm jumping on board with the Lindelof project that will probably end with a shitty final season. So <laughs> <laughs> not again, HBO. Oh God, don't do it to me again. <laughs> or at least, <laughs> at least put the, put the seasons out, you know, in order. So I don't have to wait two years to build up the hype for it. Anyway, I don't want to get on that again, but yeah. Oh God. Oh my God. Um, I just, I know that you have not read the graphic novel, but you did watch the movie Zack Snyder's, uh, back, you no know, phone. Before I get into what, talking to ISIS about this, he did this around the same time as Three Hundred, right? Uh, let's see. Three Hundred was like two thousand seven. Watchmen was like twenty ten. Yeah, twenty nine, two thousand nine. I said twenty nine. That was me. I said twenty nine. All right, nineteen twenty nine. Yeah, it was two thousand nine. So ISIS, what? Um, as a casual fan coming into this, knowing that we were going to talk about it in the podcast, what were your initial thoughts? I know that um, you had some thoughts on the Tulsa race riots, uh, how it began like that. What? How did you think about it when you when you first tuned in to HBO for that episode? Yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna be very honest. I'm not gonna lie. I tuned in because of Regina King. Um, I'm a huge yes. fan of hers. Hard and, same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really wanted to see. I w- first of all, I wanted to be very supportive I, um, of anything that she does because she's absolutely amazing. Um, but that, not only that, but it was something that was not something that we've seen her do before. I, I don't believe I have. And and I'm not a casual fan. Um, you know, I'm a fan from going back to <laughs> poetic justice uh, to, to even go back what, that far. What? Yeah. Well, even like 227. So um, <laughs> so I'm, I mean, I'm, I've been a big fan of hers for a long time. So she's what really brought me. Yeah, reaching debt back. Um, so, you know, really was really interested. I went in cold. I didn't know anybody else who was in the TV show. I, I didn't know any. I didn't read up on it. I didn't look it up. I didn't, you know, anybody who had spoilers out there before the episode premiered um, didn't really know anything. Just kind of really went cold. I know that we had talked about it before on this podcast and um, I believe that the the win goes to Corey Thone, who made the uh, correlation with it, you know, possibly being with the, um, you know, the Tulsa, you know, riots or the was it Black Wall Street massacre of yeah. 1921. Yeah, we had and talked so, we had talked about that on the show, and I yeah, you're right, and yeah. And, there was I'm, so the I'm really proud of, I'm proud of us as a podcast. I don't count that for me. That was for us because every one of us had heard about it and knew about it, which as the you know, when you research, you read the the great uh, Washington or was it New York Times? One of those big newspapers did a big thing about it a couple of years ago where, you know, it was left out of history books on purpose. And so right. it takes it takes like you have to have like a thirst at the time. You know, it is start with the internet. It is starting to get more and more recognition. But we talked about it because, you know, we're we're from Arkansas or the South in general, Texas, surrounding states. We'd heard about it, and I think it's funny that we just brought that up and they used it as the cold open. I mean, it's just I think Absolutely. that goes to show how interesting this show, the the universe that they're laying out, is fascinating. <laughs> no, I completely agree, it really and is. it's it's one state in in reality. 
you know, in in our reality, not kind of comic book reality, which is kind of, you know, our reality, but not really, you know, the, like it's almost like sometimes the names have been changed to protect the innocent and things like that. But um, but I really enjoyed the the fact and, you know, being able to see this, how they did um, the, the Tulsa race riot very well. I mean, I wasn't there, but the the, the visuals um, you had you you were almost thrown into this panicked. You were thrown into this panic scene that you become, you know, very panicked and very aware and immediately, um, you know, worried about what's going to happen to these people and to to be able to see, you know, that these people are, are killing these white men are killing, uh, you know, these black people in this, you know, in this town and they're being bombed. Um, it really just kind of heightens your, uh, you know, your panic your, your, for these people. And, um, and then not only that, but also to kind of see, and, and then this is something, and I hope this doesn't come off incorrectly, you know, badly, but I was really happy to see that we were seeing, you know, all colors of black people. Um, a lot of times when you see movies and you watch TV, um, you know, many of the people look very light. You know, if they're playing a African-American, they're very light skin, um, you know, very Zendaya, if you will. And no, that's no shade to her. I love her. Um, but I really was like, oh, this is great. They're showing really all different colors of black people um, on the show. And that even goes to Regina King, who there's a huge part in the TV show who, where she's in complete darkness, who is in complete black makeup, black clothes in a, in a dark area, but it was lit to the point where she didn't just completely fade out. Like in other TV shows, like Game of Thrones, um, where, (laughs) you know, they, you could actually see the expression on her face and, and there was a lot of great care, um, for me as a person of color, that I noticed and I appreciated that because when you have representation on television and on movies, um, that just means the world. So for me, that was like very from jump street. I was like, I was completely invested in, you know, the, the crisis that was happening, but not only that, but the people that were playing it. Yeah. And, um, let's talk about Regina King. She plays detective Angela, uh, a bar, I believe a bar. Yeah. And but her character name is Sister Knight, which I just think is fucking badass. Like, you have um, you know, like Tim Blake Nelson plays Looking Glass, that unnerving mask he he has, and he goes in the pod and 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 t- interrogates people. But like, she gets to be the badass. That's what I enjoy about this show. Is it's not some, you know, it's not some over you know muscle bound white dude. It's actually Regina King, and she's very into her like. That that assault on the Seventh Cavalry Ranch, and then when she busts, she kicks down the door of that guy's trailer and comes across with a right hook, and then goes you know goes to Don Johnson, Chief uh, Crawford, and tells him she's got a dude in her trunk. All that shit was so badass. Like I and I, I love Regina King, and I love that they put her as, you know, like the basically she's the lead in the show. Would you say that, Corey? Oh yeah, this is when it's all said and done. I think Annie. Actually, our friend Andy Bundle, friend of the pod, said uh, on her article for NBC about it that it was a Regina King vehicle. She's driving it, yeah. and it's got yeah. a bunch of badass passengers, but that it's her, it's her thing. And it's, I mean, I agree with Isis. It's about fucking time. She, she's been from movies to TV to animated 
TV, like has been all over the place crushing it. And I'm just excited to see her get a chance to really chew some scenery as the lead in a drama. And yeah, I, I'm excited for that. She's definitely the star. So let's talk about the basic setup for this world. Like um, this takes place in Tulsa, whereas the, the original took place in New York. You've got a couple of familiar faces uh, running around. Like, you, um, there's a guy with with the noose around his neck, Red Scare. I'm not really sure. He's part of the Minutemen from the, the the group before the Watchmen, I guess. But I'm not really sure how he's going to play in. But they're doing that whole universe within a universe type thing. Like, the name of the movie is um, a an American hero story. I think is what it's called. Uh, yeah. And so they got the whole universe and the universe thing going on. I think that's pretty cool. And there'll be a lot of familiar faces, people who enjoy the graphic novel. And and then you've got um, Jean Smart, who will be coming in pretty soon. She wasn't in this episode. But Jean Smart, she's going to be playing, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, she's going to be playing um, an aged-up Silk Spectre. She's playing Lori Blake. So I, I'm i looking forward to her, what she brings to the screen because you saw the trailers, uh, Regina King and Jean Smart interacting with each other. That shit was dope. Like, I was really into that, and that really made me excited for this show. But um, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of rambling right now. So we go from the race rides, <laughs> and then we go to— Can we? I, I want to stop you there because I, I feel like you're you're skimming over the thing about this. For, see, recapping the episode isn't the most important part because when no, it's all it's said and done, when it's all said and done, like, not that much happened. Like, no, truly— it, Truly, it, it really what it was. It was building a universe, and and it did a lot of very intentional things. Like, for example, I was really excited to see uh, in the beginning that the young young boy was watching a silent movie about Bass Reeves. Are you guys familiar with Bass Reeves? I had to look him up. I am, to be honest with you. Yeah, the, he is he is the shit. It's a hell of a story. The fact that there isn't like an actual movie about him blows my fucking mind. Uh, Bass Reeves was the first black U.S. marshal west of the Mississippi River. He worked and was he was born outside of Van Buren, Arkansas, into slavery in Crawford County, and uh, was worked mostly in Oklahoma and some in Arkansas. And during his career, he was credited with arresting more than three thousand felons. And he only shot and killed 14 people in self-defense. So he was one of those guys that would bring them back to Judge Parker, I'm assuming, among other people. He uh, he uh, had a hell of a legacy in the U.S. Marshals. And so I think having him be the first, like I, just having that juxtaposed with what was happening outside was interesting. But they're clearly going to correlate like Bass Reeves to what uh the the vigilantes that work with the police force these masked cops or whatever are doing yeah and and i was kind of kind of parallel that with you know lewis gossett jr shows up at the very end i I don't know if he showed up much during the episode but the very end he's he's there as crawford swinging in the tree and lewis gossett jr is in the wheelchair and he plays will reeves so um he's he's the little boy that was in the yeah yeah well he had the note too he had the note that yeah. his dad stuck in his pocket and uh, which by the apparent according to Reddit was written on the back of German uh, so <laughs> there's so much that's that's honestly this is the thing that worries me the most about the show 
is that there is so much like little things that I'm like, this is there's gonna be a lot of shit that's not tied up by the end of this. But uh, you know what the... it reminds me of? This is like this is like a based in reality type Westworld where everything's folded. The first season anyway folded into each other over and over and over. Yeah, it's like it's a uh, it's like making uh, puff pastry. So, so I've been watching a lot of Great British Bake Off. <laughs> so there's there's the the back of the note that was written like protect this boy whatever it was apparently was written on a piece of propaganda that was given or was used by the germans basically during world war one and world well yeah during world war one they tried to get uh black americans to uh defect and were like hey america's treated you like shit and if you defect and come fight with us and we win you're promised like 40 acres of land per family like in germany in south germany where it's great you know all that and then hitler later on just fun fact was super bummed whenever he tried to get the native americans and the african americans to do the same thing and they didn't they instead signed up to fight for america in droves uh because he was blown away that they would even do that because of how poorly they had been treated by uh the american government so you know when even hitler's like wow you guys treat them like shit like maybe we did something (laughs) wrong but um yeah, so that just out the gate from the very beginning, there's they're layering on real life events into this fictional universe, stacks on stacks on stacks. And within the first ten minutes, it's it's just so much to take in. This will be one of those shows that people will be rewatching for a while during if they go through with season two. Lindelof has said that he he only always had it for one season, but you know how they'll make money and they'll have ratings. This is like the highest rated season series premiere in a long time for HBO, so um, it's kicking everybody's ass. Isis, we talked about um, the fact that you noticed um, Nixon's head on Mount Rushmore. Um, that's another, like, there's yeah. like, phone, phone mentions it. There's so many things folded into the show, and there's a ton, goddamn ton of Easter eggs. So do, do you have any questions about seeing Nixon's head on Mount Rushmore? No, well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That did puzzle me. Um, and then I was like, oh, Robert Redford's head is on, like when uh, when what's her name was making the cookies. Uh, when Angela was making the cookies in the classroom, I was like, there's Robert Redford on the head, like, you know, on this presidential poster that mm-hmm. was hanging up. And then I noticed and this is so super geeky of me, but I noticed that the the. Um, the what was it? It was the um, it was the map of the world. If you look at it, and it was so funny because I just watched an, an episode of The West Wing because I'm rewatching The West Wing. Don't ask me why. It's dark times right now. Um, and so <laughs> I was watching it, and they were talking about how you know maps as we know them they're not accurate. You know, and that if it looked like you know if if it was an accurate map, it would look like this, and it looked exactly like the map that was in that episode. Now, am I saying it's West Wing? No, of course not. But I just thought that was very telling that even the maps don't look the same as they do in our world or in our time, if you will. Um, that their their you know their world maps look actually are reflective of what the, what the country's side size really is. Um, I so I thought that was really strange for me. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I thought the interaction with the cop. And the guy in the truck 
that really kind of threw me for a loop because, you know, as a, as a person of color, you know, there, there are things that people of color are, are told to do at a very young age when interacting with police and to see it completely flipped on its head. It really kind of um, disoriented me. Does that, I guess that's what I'm trying to go for is that it really disoriented me uh, of like, okay, where is this going? Because I'm trying to, of course, try to figure this out before, you know, they tell me what the punchline is. And um, I thought that was very, very interesting because it really made me feel very, it, it made me feel very uncomfortable to see how this was playing out. But it was now reversed. The cop was black and the person who, you know, uh, is white is kind mm-hmm. of being, you know, kind of like, where are you going? What are you doing? And um, so anyway, uh, and, you know, keeping their hands on the wheel and everything. So anyway, I thought that was very interesting. Well, um, so in this in, in this world, I'm sorry, I apologize. I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. In this world, you've got um, Redford's been president for 28 years. You heard that kid uh, ask Regina King if um, she she got the money for her store through Redford Rations. Redford Rations instead of Reparations. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, because of Robert Redford, um, reparations have been put into place. Um, guns are illegal. Not just any, not just automatic weapons. Guns in general. That's why the police officer had to get the guy to let his gun be released from his car so he could use it because even the cops aren't allowed to use guns. Um, and you also have uh, well, there's there's another thing that he's oh yeah you saw the battery in, in that old truck that the guy from the seventh cavalry was driving. All vehicles have bat- are battery powered because all fossil fuels have been phased out. So there's a lot of things that are from our world, you know, like things that uh, you know, for instance, the the agenda from AOC, like she's she's trying to get, get phase out uh, fossil fuels and do things like that. And these are great things, but then you have a whole side of the country who doesn't want that. And so Redford's been president for so long enough that he's able to pass all these bills. Um, he's considered a liberal in that world as well. So those are kind of things that are cool to see. Um, so I don't know, man. I feel like I'm skimming. Like, you know what, though? You're right. I feel like I'm skimming over so much. Like, what have I missed? I'm like, we've got we've got the police officer who was shot, obviously. But yeah, then we've that, got well, okay, her, but one thing that we haven't hit on yet that I think is one of the more discussed facets from the show uh, for comic readers in particular is Rorschach being adopted by white supremacists. Yes. We have to take, we have to talk about this. So that's, that's a really big deal. And I think that uh, the people who are surprised that like, Hey, yeah, I was, I was a little surprised to see, that but i'm not surprised that they did it like first of all let's let's recap the end of well let's just re let's recap rorschach shall we <laughs> <laughs> rorschach was a piece of shit and anyone who anyone who like uh, was he awesome as a character to observe yes definitely but was he an awesome character like to exist no he was just he never really showed him he himself any like overt racism. He did show lots of homophobia, and he had terrible, terrible uh, opinions of women. Uh, his mother really did a number on him when he was yeah, a kid, was for sure. Up. But uh, he also was a murderer, which is not cool. But there's, it, it's not that weird to think that his fat he was definitely have fascist tendencies, 
and saw the world in a very particular strict like fascist kind of way and to, he sent his manifesto to the front the new frontiersman or whatever that paper was called if you remember the little comic that pops up that's a fairly right-wing uh publication he didn't send it to like the new york times he sent it to like the daily wire and it was <laughs> so he i mean he had to have known what he was doing he definitely sent that to an organization that would spin it the way they want to spin it. And the super kind of messed up thing about this, when you, when you think about it is the, uh, the, I, I guess Tim Blake Nelson's character who had the Rorschachy kind of mask himself that covered his whole right. face, um, asked the cavalry member in the pod, if he thought that the government was orchestrating these, uh, I don't know, <laughs> whatever they called them, these seafood attacks. I don't know what else to call them. <laughs> the, the squids and stuff instead of Dr. Manhattan or whatever, or that it was residual. Do you think the government's doing it? And the guy was like, I don't know, maybe. And because uh, that definitely is going to be one of the conspiracy theories because that's what Rorschach wrote in his journal and it was published. That's true. Like Rorschach is right. He witnessed it. It is not done by Dr. Manhattan. It's done by uh, Ozymandias. And whoever is taking up that mantle, if we're pretending that Jeremy Irons is an Osmandius, I guess. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I. So that's that's gonna no, make it more gray. I even sussed that out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> Not that hard since I gave him a cake that looked exactly like his costume in the comics. But yeah, yeah. like I, I was like, mm, <laughs> I got that. But they seriously, they Rorschach is right about that. So when it's all said and done, if it all comes to light. Like their their leader, their their guy is going to have been right about something very huge. So it's going to be even more complicated in that regard. But it's not that big of a leap to me to think that a, a fascist, homophobic guy that sent his his manifesto before he disappeared, uh, supposedly killed by the government or whatever, uh, sent his manifesto to a right wing publication would be co-opted by white supremacists like shit. Exactly. They co-opt memes on the internet now. You think they can't co-opt the manifesto? So <laughs> yeah, that's. But I, I'm. It's super fascinating to see that, and I really feel like that was an intention. Obviously, it's an intentional choice, but it's an intentional choice by the writers because Rorschach is one of those characters, like Arthur Blank. Right? I haven't seen Joker yet. I'm gonna see it, but uh, like <laughs> like Joker or uh, the Leo's character in Wolf of Wall Street or whatever that. Most most people get their point, but then there's about fifteen to twenty percent of people that are like, "Yeah, greed is good," and it's like, "No, man, that's not the point of this." So, like, Rorschach was definitely an OG character in that regard of someone who the wrong people took the wrong message from his existence. So, I'm, I even I saw people. I saw people interacting with you um, on Twitter about that. Like they were missing the point entirely. Oh my God. Yeah. So if you haven't gone to Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb or something, go look at the, the ratings of the show. If like right now I'm going to go, uh, Watchmen, uh, Rotten Tomatoes and it's got a critical score. Like the critics rating is, uh, well, it's, Oh wait, this is a movie. Damn it. <laughs> uh, also, why is it Yahoo? What? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why uh, it's I'm, I'm in Google. I don't know. So Watchmen season one right now for what the critics have seen with 71 reviews is a 96 percent. That's pretty good. Uh, the audience score with 1100 plus reviews is a 45. 
Do wow. you think that that many people didn't like it, or do you think that the right wing patrol from uh, the same people that tanked the rating for like the Last Jedi? or Captain Marvel or whatever are doing the same thing here. They're doing the exact same thing. Exactly. This show, someone, there are people out there who are like, wow, when, why is all TV got to be so political when they're talking about the, the an adaptation of Watchmen, which was in and of itself one of the most overtly political comics of its era. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted, it was very much not about American politics. It was about, like, Thatcherism or whatever. But still, like, it's liberal, conservative, whatever. Like, if you didn't think that Watchmen was political. You didn't read Watchmen, and you're probably one of those people that was like, you know who's badass? That Rorschach guy. When he fought those dudes in prison, that was dope, man. That was really fucking dope. Like, so... <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they said it in our yeah, comments no, section. I, yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna pipe in and say, you know, again, I didn't watch, I didn't read the comic. Um, <laughs> I have no plans to at this time, uh, but I, I really can understand what you were saying. Is that you know that those very fragile, you know, subset of uh, white men <laughs> who uh, really, you know, were taken aback about something that was that was not uh, catered to them or, or their fragile, you know, their fragility. And, um, I, I, again, I was completely here for it. I was so happy to see something, um, that really just kind of said, Hey, you guys got to really wake up, but there's going to be a subset of people who are not going to want to, they're going to want to be the Rorschach and they're going to stay or, you know, those characters that are in this show and, and not really look at the whole picture. They're just going to look at it, internalize it, completely internalize it. Right. Well, okay, let's talk about the big action scene from the show because I really think that it's a great scene, a great way to introduce, introduce the show. Like, you got you, – when the, the moment they were walking through the cow pasture, I told my wife, I said, all of those fucking cows are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be ugly. Oh my god, man. Like, okay, so Phone, were you kind of surprised by uh the owl ship turning up or did you yeah, have what the fuck? No, I was definitely surprised by that. Where did they get it? Because they're definitely not uh, the night owl. So do you think that they I... built it like modeled it after them or what? I've got a theory that Don Johnson is playing Dan uh Dryberg, which is uh Night Owl's other name. And that that's why Lori Blake comes to town in the next couple episodes because she's a she's got to figure out who killed her former partner slash lover slash whatever. No, no, no. That's I'm sorry. I can I can use the show to prove you wrong on that one. When they show when they showed uh, him getting dressed to leave before he got killed, they did a, a draw a draw focus onto a picture on the table of uh, him sitting on his, like, looked like his grandfather's lap. His grandfather was definitely in a cop uniform and looked a lot like one of the people. He looked, he was definitely a cop during the Tulsa race riots and he was killing black people. So that's right. And going, there was that ominous yeah. music playing when he did Very that. Very ominous. Right. Like, the, Don Johnson is gonna, there's gonna be a lot of shit come out about his character. Like, let's not forget that Watchmen begins, the, the comic begins with the death of the comedian. I think we talked about this before the show. And the yeah. the comedian's death sparks the the rest of the comic, like of people coming back, uh, figuring out what's going on. Lots of supers are dying. I know that sounds like the Incredibles, but yeah, they're dying, and uh, you know all that crap, right? Because the only ones that are still fairly active is Rorschach. 
because he's a lunatic. And yeah. uh, so this this is I do think you're right that that uh, Gene Smart, Silk Spectre's character is going to be in Tulsa for personal reasons, too. I just don't think that Don Johnson was nine out. I think if anything, uh, it's going to be the uh, the return of mass vigilantes which she is not wearing a mask or anything. So I don't, I don't know. I think that might tie into it. Cause you have that line of her in the trailer where she says, what's the difference between a, a cop with a mask and a vigilante. I don't know the difference either, you know? So <laughs> uh, that's, you know, so that's interesting. I, I think that I didn't know what Don Johnson's character was going to be, but I think when it's all said and done, it's going to be a pretty, at, at the very best gray backstory for him. And that makes sense. Cause I, I the whole time go, go ahead, Isis, go ahead. Oh no! This is this is something that you know you and I were talking about before the podcast. And yes, we do talk before the podcast just because we like to shoot the shit what? with each other. What? <laughs> um, and and so I I said the exact same thing. It was to me it was going to be a parallel kind of thing with Don Johnson, where you know the comedian was not his his back. He I mean he, he he while he was a hero to uh, some people the people who knew him best he wasn't i mean he was a horrible horrible person and you know could have those tendencies and i definitely see that there's going to be a parallel with um chief judd that you know angela you know is really gonna see and 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 investigate and finally see like oh god he wasn't the guy who i really thought he was um, and then that's going to develop into a larger but, story. But think about it. She's the one that warned him he had powder under his nose. So did she, is it really well, that yeah, big but, of a surprise I mean, to her be, friend? Well, hold on a second. Let's be honest again, okay? The dude had a rough fucking night. He fell from the <laughs> fucking sky, landed on the ground, and fucking popped out of that thing like he was a fucking turnip green. Okay. Oh my god! So, when he came out, when he came out, and they were, and she's like, "Ah, oh, shit!" and they were laughing at each other. Oh my god! I almost busted yeah. the scene. That was fucking hilarious. Oh my god! I mean, so you know, if the guy needs to take a little coke in the nose, you know, a little nose candy or something like that to take <laughs> off the edge, am I gonna begrudge him of that? No, I'm not going to begrudge him of that. But uh, but anyway, so, I, you know, I, I but I really do feel that there are things that she's going to find that are not acceptable. And I think you were talking about, you know, Louis Gossett Jr., which I'm not going to lie. When I first saw him, I about plotsed. And when you see him the first time is when um, when Angela is going into her store. That's and right. She's and, and he she he asks do you think I can lift a 200 pound man? And I mean, at first off, when I heard it, I didn't, it didn't make me, it didn't sink into me at all until you see at the very end when, you know, he's got fucking chief Judd strung up and he's just sitting there, you know, with his little note. And I'm like, Oh my God, this guy was saying that he was going to do this from then on. See, I didn't, I didn't correlate those two to just now, to be honest with you. Well, he, I, I don't, I don't think he said, can I lift 200 pound man? He just asked 200 pounds, but looking, oh, but yes, I, right, sure. like, looking back, like he, he definitely was obviously referencing the body. So, okay. So if you want to, okay. So, um, Zack Snyder's movie, um, uh, Dan Dryberg walks up during, uh, the, the comedian's, uh, funeral. He walks up to, um, the silk specter and he goes, she's like, there's not a lot of laughs lately. And he goes, well, there aren't any laughs because the comedian is dead. And the song playing, 
as uh, the, the final scene happened on the show was old Judd had to die. So you have a correlation there of the comedian and Chief Crawford, you know, the same archetype, I guess, maybe. And then you've got um, the beginning of Watchmen, uh, the blood dripping on the pin, the Watchmen pin for the for the comedian, and the blood dripping on Crawford's badge at the very end. So there's a lot of symbolism being played between those two. And, and, and by the way, Lindelof came out and said, no, these characters are not the same. The, in fact, he said, if I remember correctly, um, the comedian died. His head, his head was rammed up his stomach when they found him. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's not that's not the comedian. There's just a archetype they're going for. But um, also one yeah, thing, I, I'm just good. No, I was gonna say one thing. We uh, the the first time we see Rorschach in the comics, he's holding, he's got his mask off and he's holding a sign that says the end is near or whatever it is. And uh, when, before she runs into Lou Gossett Jr., she walks past a guy holding a sign that looks kind of crazy. So it was like a, it was a black guy, I think that had kind of pink, uh, some Takashi six, nine hair. So uh, I have a feeling, <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to be seeing that guy again. <laughs> if, if the rest, like cause symbolism wise, that's exactly how we stumbled across Rorschach the first time. So, uh, he was he was at the funeral by the you know with the comedian standing outside holding a sign and stuff. So so um, can yeah. can you can you explain something to me because I feel like I'm missing something and I'm not gonna lie when I was watching this I was like what the hell just happened um, the squids falling on the car I mean they even had mach- like a, a like a car like a street cleaner that had a squid on it that was like you know so obviously this and did you notice her did you notice her window. Well, she she used to clean her window with. They had, they had their own made tools for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like you know, if it was like, oh shit, ice is on my window. I'm just gonna scrape this off real quick. Hold on a second, and everybody it's from just the comics. stops. So it's from... okay. So can you explain for non-comic readers what that meant? What that's all about? So Ozymandias trying to save the world from an, uh, the midnight clock, right, Bone? Like, for, for nuclear, a nuclear uh, apocalypse, basically. He manufactures, he has scientists manufacture a gigantic um, squid, basically. What is it? It's a... Okay, so he... The only way that... And you hear the quote again in the end of the episode, in the, in the coming, whatever it's called, where the preview where they're showing it, Ozymandias, I'm sorry, Jeremy Irons, says, uh, <laughs> you know, the only thing that is stronger than a nuclear device is fear. So in the comics, he in, he employs I don't know how many hundreds of engineers and scientists and, um, you know, builders or whatever on an island in secret, secret project. And he's paying them super well, obviously, to construct, I mean, this massive squid, basically. And uh, like the size of the island, it's huge. And then, of course, whenever it's done, they all die. They don't they can't be left alive to tell the story. And in the comic book, um, using the same sort of uh, energy field that Dr. Manhattan gives off when he does stuff, Adrian transports that squid into the heart of Manhattan, I believe. And, it, and it's gross as fuck. It's super gross. It's uh, it's huge. It destroys Lower Manhattan. Like so many people die. I can't remember how many. It was basically like dropping, you know, 
a, a rock, but it was a squid. It's supposed to like it came from the bottom of the ocean or whatever. I really don't like that's kind of the one thing from the movie that they changed that I thought was a clever change because the, the movie came out post 9-11. And so turning it into just using his force to create a terrorist attack across the world was better. But in the in the books, then now the whole world sees that Dr. Manhattan has no humanity left. So they have he's their enemy now or whatever. They're, they're afraid of him and he wants them to be good or he'll drop another squid, basically and uh or do something else and and in the movie it's the world thinks dr manhattan you know blew up manhattan and other cities and uh they have to be good or he's going to keep doing it and adrian justifies it by saying you know we killed millions to save billions and now the whole world the cold war ends because of the fear they have of dr manhattan they don't longer fear each other and so we're getting I'm assuming that the government, in order to keep reminding people, hey, it could go to shit any time, like, drop squid out of the sky. And yeah. that's that, I guess. I know that well, sounds really weird because you haven't read the book. It's a lot more effective in the book, but honestly, it's it really doesn't age that well. It's like the it's one part really of the... It's a crazy part. It's a super crazy part of the original book, and I, I truly think that the just explosions using Dr. Manhattan's energy field that Adrian re- replicates in the movie was far and away the best change they made. So, And it's an energy field in the movie that's created by his big blue dong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to... and I, I was here for the the big blue dong. Anyway, so... Aren't we all? You know, well, that makes kind of... That makes sense because, you know... When I first immediately saw Dr. Manhattan and he was in Mars and, you know, he's building this castle out of, I guess, sand or whatever. And then it, you know, it's breaking down or whatever. I almost want to say, like, to me, that was like, that's not real. I feel like they are trying to, you know, if if the people on Earth know where Dr. Manhattan is at any time, they can turn on their TV and see that he's on Mars or whatever the case may be. You know, it makes them feel kind of good about that. Okay, well, he's he's not here to cause any damage if he's on Mars. And if I can go and just turn on the TV and see where he's at, I have eyes on him. I know that he's not going to be doing any damage here. And I almost want to think that the government really doesn't know where he is, but they have this, you know, kind of fake TV show, you know, fake news, if you will, um, displaying just to make sure that the humans on earth don't freaking lose their damn mind. Just my thoughts. I could be wrong. I just, yeah, that's I, what I, I like, I like about. the propaganda type, type spot, like keep everybody straight by, by watching, uh, Make sure Manhattan's there on Mars. The only thing that we've seen, we've seen the the San Diego Comic Con uh, teaser where we saw a blue hand reach down and pick up a blue mask. That could be it. Could very well be um, the empirical lord of a country manor or um, Jeremy Irons, because uh, he we there's also uh, pictures of him standing in front of the Gila Flats uh, sign. So Was that's he where standing Dr. Manhattan- naked. <laughs> I mean, I'm just asking for know. a friend. I don't know. Let's, let's let's talk about his servants really quick. Does anybody get the, the feeling that they're definitely not human? Anybody? Oh, hell yeah, they were like Stepford people. I think I okay. So his 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 maid was named Miss Crookshanks, right? And all I could think of was you know the cat Crookshanks, right? 
and his butler was named um, Mr. Phillips, right? I don't know. I have a feeling that he's done some genetic testing, and that's a dog and a cat. Because did you see where uh, the butler tried to cut his cake with the fucking horseshoe? Was it what was it's fun? Was that symbol uh, some uh, a symbolism of anything? Because I don't think I don't think I've ever seen that before. I I really don't know, man. That was that was a strange scene altogether. Uh, the cake definitely had the colors of his original costume, assuming he is Ozymandias. And, uh, but I, I really, those scenes, I, I don't know what to take away from them. I'm just kind of along for the ride on those. <laughs> Until he does something big, then I kind of just focus my attention on the main story in Tulsa. But, um, before we, um, does anybody else, you guys want to talk about anything else that happened in the show before we move on to our next topic? Because we've got a, we've got a few minutes left and I want to talk about the Rise of Skywalker trailer, but. Um, yeah, I I don't have anything in particular. I mean, again, I'm I, I give every show a three episode, um, you know, kind of window. And I, I'm, am I going to say that I'm sold on this TV show right now for myself? This is just for me. Uh, not yet, but it's going to get a second episode. So I'm watching the second episode. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what happens. And I just want to let you busters know that I already have tickets. <laughs> For Star Wars. So thank you very much. Nice. Nice. All right. Um, so let's talk about The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I I enjoyed the trailer, but it really wasn't that exciting to me. And, and I don't know if you guys – I mean it, I've the D23 trailer was much more exciting in my opinion. But um, the Emperor's Throne was shown. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Ray training in what looked like indoors – forest uh there's all kinds of cool and like i guess we're actually going to get a, a, a lightsaber battle because they're going to fight on the wreckage of the death star but uh isis since you bought your, your tickets uh last night um what were your takeaways from the trailer yeah um i'm really interested to see how they're going to um play off raylo uh i think that's something that people are really clamoring for um, is for Raylo to be a thing um, for some segment of the population. Uh, but they, they did kind of hint on that. Um, maybe even, you know, uh, Kylo Ren maybe changing sides. Um, I, I, I think we're going to finally find out what her backstory is. Then again, again, this was just my first impressions of the trailer. Um, I think that we're going to actually find out who she is you know, and she she may not be anybody um, in particular. Um, I think that um, didn't really see any of the other characters really play out. Like you saw them, you know, you saw uh, what's her name running, and um, and you know, you saw um, the the guys kind of striking a pose, giving us like the bless the best blue steel that they could on camera. Um, <laughs> but other than that, that's basically it. It was definitely, I think, you the, missed the, it. Then they were they were riding space horses down a star destroyer. Like I don't even know how the fuck that that works. Like how are you riding a uh, a horse down a star destroyer? I don't get it. I'm here I, for it. I don't, I don't get, get it. it. Yeah, I don't get it. And I'm just kind of like it, because I didn't understand. Like I didn't. It didn't compute. I'm like completely reject. Like I'm. I just told you what I felt that I understood <laughs> from the show or from the from the trailer. Other than that, everything else was kind of like eh. Okay. 
all right, I'm I'm still going. I, I mean, I bought tickets, obviously, um, for uh, the yeah. I mean that that shit was happening. Um, you going you going to Tinseltown? You getting recliner seats? I am going to Tinseltown recliner seats, but I'm not going until Saturday. I have a kid that goes to school, and um, so we can't go, you know, the night that it comes out. So we're going to wait until Saturday. And a matter of fact, I was the first one to buy tickets um, for the Tinseltown on Saturday. I don't know nice. if I should be proud. I don't know if I should be proud or sad, but the, I, I, they were all the seats were available. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So Stone, did you get um, did you get tickets, Stone? No, I'll, I'll see it. I'll see it eventually. You're not really excited, are you? No, I'm not because they're gonna fuck up all the things that you know. For all the problems Last Jedi had, uh, I was talking about this last night with a friend of mine who agrees with me. So I guess I was yelling to an echo chamber. But the <laughs> the like one of the my favorite things about the Last Jedi was that they said basically you don't have to be a Skywalker to have the force and you don't have to exist within the Skywalker family tree to like have the force or in some aspect of it. Granted, it still gave Leia the force out of nowhere, which is weird that they would just be like, yeah, here she goes. She's, but uh, there's Mary Poppins. Yeah. Mary Poppins did whatever, but like there were lots of problems with last Jedi for sure. But like the, the, the Snoke red herring I liked and the, the Ray's parents are nobodies I liked. And you know, they're going to retcon that and be like, Oh, you know, Calorim was lying. Your, your dad's actually Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's like, right, great. Yay. Fucking this whole universe rests on four people's shoulders for 30 years. So coolsies. Like I, I'm just. I'm ready for them to move on from that. There's so much they could do with Star Wars, and I've been a little disappointed in, like, I mean, say what you will about Last Jedi, but The Force Awakens is pretty toothless. So at least, at least The Last Jedi took a bite of something. That's and, true. No, I'll give you uh, that. And, and I mean, The Force Awakens was fun, but I watched it in theaters, and I don't need to see it again. Uh, I've watched the Last Jedi again because I, you know, was looking for things that I may have missed. Didn't find that many, so it was, still had its problems uh, for sure. But the biggest thing is you can't have two giant ass red herrings in one movie. So you can, you either get to do Snoke or the Casino Planet. You can't do both. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that I, I I still see the movie. I'm sure it'll be super entertaining. Everybody in it is great. J.J. Abrams is is fun. I'm sure it'll be really cool. It's also not going to be. When it's all said and done, this trilogy is going to be a whole bunch of missed opportunities. So, well, J.J. Abrams directed, so there's going to be lots of lens flare. So, uh, shaky cam, shaky, and get get ready to wear your sunglasses to the theater. But, uh, you know, I I was I was kind of paying attention to the smaller details of this trailer because obviously we've got Palpatine returning, and it, we even saw a hooded figure sitting on his throne, looking at Rey in the trailer. So. Um, there's a lot of rumors that Matt Smith, former Doctor Who Matt Smith, is going to be playing a young Palpatine. But we also know that Ian McDermott is back, so I don't know how this is all going to work out. They better show some flashbacks if they're bringing that in. Um, Zori Bliss, who's being played by Carrie Russell, she gets to fly a Y-Wing. In fact, you saw it in the trailer. She does a barrel roll towards a Star Destroyer. That's badass because I love the Y-Wing ships. We also saw a uh, Hammerhead Corvette, which is like the, the blockade runner that Leia... Tried to escape from uh, Darth Vader in and the New Hope. I was pretty excited about that. And they're bringing in the ghost from Star Wars Rebels. This makes it the second live-action movie that the ghost has been in. It was in Rogue One. 
So I'm pretty excited about that. Other than that, you know, I'm excited to where they take Ray. I hope they make her nobody. I don't want her to be a Skywalker. I don't want her to be a Palpatine. And I don't want her to be a Kenobi. I just want her to be, you know, her parents were drunks and they traded her for uh, money for alcohol. Whatever. Who cares? Um, I'll go see it probably opening weekend. Probably as soon as I can get in. But we'll see. I'm excited for it. But I'm, I'm more excited for The Mandalorian, to be honest with you. So, Same. you know. Like that's that's basically we get we get all the things we wanted in the Mandalorian, and I've been following that very closely, and I'm very excited for it. So, yeah, well, I I mean I'm I'm not gonna lie, I got Disney Plus for <laughs> for that reason. I'm not I mean don't don't get me wrong. I mean Disney Plus is gonna have all kinds of stuff, but I got Disney Plus because of that. I want to see that show. That's what I want to watch. I was but upset I today you, when I found out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say the exact same. I know exactly what's going to come out of your mouth when they said that Verizon's going to give um, yes, Disney Plus for it. free. I'm like, dude, I bought three years of Disney Plus. What do you mean we're Verizon's getting it for free? Obviously, I'm a Verizon person. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I was I was so disappointed. And then I'm not going to lie. So I was telling I, I actually have a day job, people. And so I was talking to my employees and I was telling them, like, Damn it! I was like, Verizon's giving it out to um, you know to everybody because I've been kind of bragging that I'm like, oh yeah, I got Disney Plus. Yeah, I got it for the next three years. You know, blah blah blah. Like I'm so fucking cool, right? And there, and then my my employee like turned around. And he goes, sucks to suck. And I was like, yes, it sucks to suck right now. <laughs> but uh, all you uh, you know people who didn't buy um, you know uh, Disney Plus. Uh, when they were first kind of launching it out there and everything, and you're Verizon. Guess what? You get it for free for a year. Well, think about how smart that was on their part. Like, man, my God, what a way to launch a streaming service, especially in today's market where Netflix is your biggest competitor or Amazon Prime or whatever. So I think it was genius. And like Netflix stock took a hit today because of it. So I thought that was genius on their part. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely something out of the Hulu playbook because I think Hulu and I think what T-Mobile or something like that, they joined forces. And I mean, which I don't know what that, you know, equates as far as, you know, viewership for people who are on T-Mobile. I don't know anybody who's on T-Mobile, but anyway, or they don't admit it. Uh, but I will say Verizon being one of the largest, you know, carriers um, to, a, you know, to AT&T, that's that's a huge chunk of people. Okay, so listen, we're going to wrap the podcast for tonight. We'll be back next week to talk about the second episode in Watchmen. The title is called Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. There's also Man, they don't have a problem having long titles. Like this no. title was the summer. It's the summer and we're running out of ice. Yeah, <laughs> like, you've also got She Was wow. Killed by Space Junk. If you don't like my story, write your own. <laughs> Little Fear of Lightning, This Extraordinary Bean, which, goddamn, that's that's in episode six. That's got to be uh, Dr. Manhattan episode. An Almost Religious Awe, A God Walks Into a Bar, and See How They Fly. So, all kinds of uh, crazy titles. Anyway, so, um, we're going to be back next week to talk about Watchmen and probably some other entertaining things. I know that The Witcher final, tra- final trailer comes out soon, so we'll see that. So for myself, for Corey Thone, and Isis, this has been Take the Black. Help us out with a new title in the comments below, and we appreciate your uh, patronage. All right. Vlad Mogulis.